0: it was recognized in the early church that when kings and dignitaries would travel to foreign lands, they would send some sort of entourage before them to prepare their way. It's a custom we still do. When the president of the United States travels, he has his security entourage and various others who go before him and make sure all is prepared for him. And so the early Christians said if Jesus Christ is who we say he is, he would have prepared the way before himself so that when he comes, people would be ready for him. And so they looked in the Old Testament and they found various prophecies of Jesus Christ. And these prophecies became what are called motives of credibility. They are reasons for believing that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. If the prophets foretold him, and then he came and fulfilled, that is a mark of divine activity, since only God can foretell what is to come. And of all sort of the prophecies of Christ, the one we read in today's first reading is probably the most famous, Isaiah seven. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. Early on, people such as St. Justin the Martyr, who was sort of an early Christian apologist, he would argue, using this prophecy, and one of the counterarguments against it was that the word which we translate as virgin, Alma in Hebrew, has a dual meaning. It means virgin, but it also means young woman, and so some people tried to get out of the prophecy by saying that all this is saying is that a young woman will conceive and bear a son, and I've always found that translation to be relatively absurd, to put it candidly, because of the context of what is happening in the seventh chapter of Isaiah. And so it's worth sort of reflecting upon the first reading in its context. There was a king of Jerusalem of the southern kingdom of Israel and his name was Ahaz. And I always feel kind of bad for Ahaz and I hope I don't become like Ahaz in the spring because basically he was someone who clearly was given too much responsibility and was not up to task. (laughs) So hopefully next June you you guys don't start calling me Father Ahaz, right? (laughs) But when he became king, there were two military threats from the north. You had the northern kingdom and you had the kingdom of Syria. And they were threatening to invade the southern kingdom, Ahaz's kingdom. And Ahaz panicked. He didn't have much military prowess. He knew his army was not sufficient to defend his kingdom. And so he wanted to go to the Assyrians, because the Assyrians were kind of the biggest and the baddest kids on the block. And he wanted to form a military alliance with them. He would basically become their vassal, and they would protect him and defend him. And the Lord said, that's not a good idea, because he knew what would happen is that the Assyrians would essentially impose their religion upon Israel, and their religion was pagan and idolatry, and God didn't want that. So God goes to Ahaz and says, don't worry, I will defend your kingdom, do not be afraid. And Ahaz says, no, (laughs) I'm good, (laughs) I like the Assyrians. It would be sort of like when Russia had invaded Ukraine, if the Lord had appeared to the Ukrainians and said, don't worry about NATO weaponry, you don't need artillery, go pray the rosary, go celebrate mass, go have processions, and I will defend you. And as you can imagine, that takes a great amount of faith. You can't see the protection of God. You can, you can see the Assyrians and their <clears throat> army and their strength. And so Ahaz wanted no part of God's help. He wanted the Assyrians. And so God sends Isaiah to him and says, no, tell Ahaz to ask for a sign. Whatever sign he wants, I will give him that sign so he knows that I am with him and I will defend him. And Ahaz still wants no part of this. He says, no, I will not ask for a sign. Because he knows if he asks for a sign and God gives him a sign, then he has to obey the sign. And he doesn't want that. He wants Assyria. And so he says, no, I will not ask. So God says, basically, I'm tired of this. You've made me weary. So I will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. And that's also why I think it's a terrible translation to say that a young woman shall conceive and bear a son. A young woman conceiving is not much of a sign. That happens all the time. But a virgin conceiving, that is a sign and that's a mark of the divine activity. And his name, as it says, shall be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It is easy to sort of criticize Ahaz, to say, well, he was a wicked king and later, in scripture he is sort of recognized as one of the wicked kings. But I think if you think about it, we do this all the time to God. God makes various promises in sacred scripture. He promises us that he will draw near to us in our need and that we should rely upon him and his grace is sufficient for us. And instead of sort of abandoning ourselves to God, we seek help from other things. We all have our own Assyrians in our life. And so we should remind ourselves that when we are oppressed, when we are attacked by the world, by the flesh, by Satan, whatever it is, our own sinfulness, that our tendency is to seek help in material things because we can see them, just as Ahaz could see the Assyrians and see the mights of their army. And God is the invisible God. And so we fall into the same trap. We try and seek peace and comfort, and healing, and all of these other things, right? Sometimes alcohol, sometimes Netflix, all of these other things. And it's not that these things are bad in themselves. It's that ultimately God is the one who gives us our victory. I also think Emmanuel is worth reflecting on because God is with us. And literally, that's Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, took on human nature and dwelt among us. So we celebrate on Christmas Day. But even now, because of the Eucharist, God is still with us. He will be present in a few moments upon our altar. But He's also present every day in our Eucharistic chapel. And it's as if God sits in the Adoration Chapel and He says, Come to me when you are attacked, come to me when you are troubled, come to me when you are in need, and I will help you. You do not need to turn to these other things, to these Assyrians. Come to me and I will give you rest. And that's what we have to remind ourselves. God promised Ahab a sign, behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. He promises us a sign that God will dwell among us under the appearance of bread and wine. And to the eyes of faith, there is no greater place of refuge than the Adoration Chapel. There is no greater place of peace than the Adoration Chapel. So this time of year, I know things get difficult. I was talking to two of my priest friends, and I said, are you guys grumpy? Because I'm very grumpy. (laughs) They said, yes, everybody's grumpy. I said, good, I don't feel alone. But this time of year when things get difficult, and in the new year when things get difficult and you have needs and you are seeking peace and you are seeking joy, don't turn to the worldly things like King Ahaz. That's our tendency. Turn instead to God. Go visit him in the Adoration Chapel. He sits in the Adoration Chapel like a furnace of fire, waiting to pour out flames of divine love upon you. Seek him out. Receive his love and trust in him. Because ultimately, it is God who gives us the victory.